Good morning. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Um, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. Glad that you're joining here with us today. And for those of you who are joining us on our podcast, I'm glad that you're here today. Um, Bill Cosby once said that the reason that Mother's Day is so much better than Father's Day is because moms are so much better organized than men are, than dads are, and that's so true. Um, I was reflecting recently about the fact that I'm not 100% sure that I've ever um, heard a Father's Day message, and here I am in 2013 preaching my first Father's Day message. And at 40 years old, um, as this week has uh, progressed, um, I've realized how emotional it is for me. I've been crying with every story I've read, with every word that's been written. I went and saw Superman and cried through all of Superman on a date night with my wife. It was terribly embarrassing, okay? So if you're like, man, he's got a bad cold, I'm just going to say right up front, okay, it's not a cold, all right? Sorry about that. Um, and I think part of it has to do with the fact that my mom's dad passed away a few weeks ago. My last uh, grandparent um, passed away, and he was as much of a dad to me as even my uh, biological father. Uh, I miss Pop very much, and it's really been interesting because it's gotten me thinking um, about my dad. I think that happens when you have um, a death of a loved one. It really makes you think about life, and it makes you uh, be reflective uh, about what is going on in your life. And I've had a lot of time to reflect on the relationship between um, me and my father, my dad, um, David Cullen Jr. And um, I, I have actually had thoughts about, man, there's going to be a day when you know I have to bury him, and um, I, then I move on from that thought because that'll that'll take care of itself during that time. But it's really caused me to um, reflect on my father. Um, he was a great man. Uh, he 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 worked hard. He always worked hard. He still works hard, even in retirement. He couldn't retire. You know, he had to go on and continue to work, and um, works hard even to this day. Puts everything into everything that he does. A passionate man um, who taught me the value of particularly hard work, a respect for women, um, godly values, and I'm so thankful um, for my dad um, growing up, especially in terms of what he taught me about working hard and values in life. Cynthia and I, on um, this past Friday night, as I mentioned, we went and saw a movie and had a date, and we um, got talking afterwards um, a little bit about our um, kind of high school years, and um, there was one story in particular that um, reminded me of my father. It was a story I hadn't thought of in a very, very long time. Uh, my dad worked so hard that he was often gone. In fact, most Sunday nights he would drive to the airport and he would leave, and he was in sales, so he had to travel a lot. And he would leave, and he would either get on an airplane or drive in a car, and he would uh, come back then, uh, usually the next Friday. So he was almost always there on weekends, but he was almost always gone um, during the week. And um, we kind of joked with Dad. We're kind of like, you know, you've created this environment for us as a family that if you ever do decide to stay home during the week, we're not sure how it's going to work out. We just are really unsure about this. Um, but I was often probably a little bit too harsh and maybe unfair at being critical of my father because he was gone a lot. That's all he knew. He worked hard, and he thought providing for his family was of utmost importance. That's all he knew, and it was. 
And so the memory that Cynthia and I had, um, that I had about high school was um, in my senior year of high school. I played soccer, and um, it was my senior year, and I, I had joined the soccer team as a freshman, kind of got on the soccer team as a freshman. I had never played soccer in my life before that time, but I guess I was just a short little tough guy that, you know, played decently enough that I made the team, and some of my friends that were in my class made the team. And we had a, a great time growing up um, playing soccer all through um, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. Well, it was my senior year, and I had sprained my ankle early in the season, and I only got to play the first uh, game or two. And then by the time the last game rolled around, I was ready to play again. And my dad um, called me into his room the night before and was very disappointed. He had to tell me that he had to go um, be out of town the next day and he, that he would be gone for my soccer game. And I remember just being crushed, like, you know, really, here it is. And I didn't say these things, but I remember feeling it internally. Here I am, it's my senior year, you know, you're going to be gone on my last soccer game. How unfair is this for me? It was all about me, of course. I was a senior in high school, so that's kind of how it goes sometimes. But I remember being just absolutely crushed, not expressing that, but being crushed internally. I don't remember a thing about that game. I don't remember if we won or if we lost. I don't remember who played. I don't remember who got yellow cards or red cards or who scored. Because when I came home that night, on my desk was a letter. It was from my dad. He said, son, I love you. I'm sorry I can't be at your game, but I love you, and I'm gone, and I'm rooting for you, and I'm proud of you. And my dad had his ups and downs. He had his good times and his bad times. There was one thing about my father that I knew all the time, he loved us. He loved me and my sister, and he loved my mom. And I realized that not every one of you have that story. Very aware of the fact that not all of you had a father who loved you or who could express that he loved you. And my message for you today as we continue in our series, AKA God, is the fact that all of us who are in this room, wherever you are on the spiritual continuum, there's a heavenly father who loves you and who is waiting for you to respond to that love. Doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter whether you've been a Christ follower for a long time. Doesn't matter if you walked in here today skeptical about God and Jesus and the whole religious thing. I want to point out today that we have a heavenly father who if we know anything about him through the name we're going to look at today, we can know that he absolutely loves us. In this series, we've taken a look at uh, several different names. We've taken a look at the name uh, Jehovah Sabaoth, or the Lord of hosts. Cody, uh, who is on our missions team today um, in Belize, will be praying for our missions team who just arrived there yesterday. Um, he preached a message on Jehovah Shammah, or the Lord of Presence, not like you get on your birthday, but like God is there. And then um, last week we talked about El Shaddai, the powerful God. And today we come to one of the more broad names uh, that we use for God, but it's also one of the most personal names for God, Pater, or Father, Pater. And so today we're going to be looking at what it means that God is our Father. It's a Greek name, and it's a broad name for God. Um, some of you who may have grown up in church, there's another word that you have heard, and that's Abba, and it means what? Daddy. It means daddy. It's a little more intimate and a little more personal. Father is a little more broad, like you would say to someone, I have a father, but you might call him daddy. 
And so that's the difference between pater and abba. Today we're going to be looking at the broad term, which is pater. Take your notes if you have them. You can take a look at your notes. We're going to be walking through a couple different points. One thing that I want to point out at the beginning is the fact that Jesus himself referred to God as Father using either Pater or Abba over 156 times in just the New Testament. So if we take a look at the Bible, 156 times uh, during uh, that Jesus' time on earth, which remember was only 33 years, he referred to God as Father probably more than any other thing. Uh, a few highlights here, a few more, of the, maybe some of the familiar ones, is Matthew 6, 9. When he begins the Lord's Prayer by saying, pray like this, as he's teaching us how to pray, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. And then we see in Luke 2, 9, as a boy, Jesus went into the temple and his parents couldn't find him and they came looking for him. And when they finally did find him, he said this, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? They found him in the temple. And they found him uh, with some of the other religious leaders talking and discussing things about God. And finally, look at the word that Jesus gave us when he was here on earth. He said this, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave right to become the what? Children of God. You see, he is pater. God is Father. You might hear people, and you heard me just say, Heavenly Father, when they're addressing God. Or my friend who you'll hear from next week, um, Stanley Thomas, who's a friend of mine. He's going to be preaching next week. I'm going to be here with him. He's a great, great young man of God. Um, he's a wonderful communicator. He often begins when he's praying. I absolutely love this. He says, Oh, Abba, Daddy, Father. Isn't that great? Crying out to God, saying, Heavenly Father. Father, we so too often don't think about what we're saying when we say that, but we're calling God by his most intimate name when we do so. Take a look at your notes. What does it mean that God is our heavenly Father? Let's make this real. Let's make it personal in our lives. First of all, because the Father desires to be in a relationship with us, we can be intimate with him. Because the Father desires to be in a relationship with us, we can be intimate with him. The gospel writer John, who wrote, you know, John, as of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, those four books are called the Gospels, which means good news. That's Jesus' good news of salvation, God sending his son to die for us, and uh, we can have the hope of eternal life in him uh, if we choose to believe in him. And so John wrote the Gospel of John, but then John wrote what we call uh, letters, uh, epistles, and so he wrote the, uh, a couple other books that we have today, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Look at what he says in his introductory statement. It's in 1 John 1, 3. He says this, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, he says, and here's what I want you to capture, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father. You see, John in that instance is saying this to Christians everywhere in any time frame, your relationship with God is one of a father to son or daughter. Your relationship with God is a relationship of father, daddy to son or daughter. 
So if you're in a relationship with God, you are one of his sons or daughters. Simply stated, because God is our heavenly father, we can be intimate with him. Now, I realize that that word intimate is a little scary. For generations, it has just had a sexual connotation. But what we're talking about today is a personal a personal relationship between two people who trust and understand and love each other like a father, a good father would with a son or a daughter. Here's how Webster describes this type of intimacy that I'm talking about. It is characterized, think about this when you think about God. Resist the temptation to think about your own father, but think about God the Father. Characterized by or involving warm friendship or a personal, close, or familiar association or feeling, an intimate greeting, or arising from a personal connection or familiar experience. You see, God desires, I want you to hear that, he desires to be in relationship with us. He desires to be in relationship with us. Every relationship that has ever existed has had an initiator hasn't it? Every relationship that's ever existed has had one of the two parties that took the primary role as the initiator. Now, I realize that sometimes that may be imperceptible, but it is very real in relationships, and it's even more evident in the God-man relationship. And I want you to hear this because I believe it applies to all of us who are in here today. God the Father, pater, has made the first and the most important move in the relationship between us and him. God the Father has made the first and the most important move in the relationship between us, humanity, and him being God, the divine. Think about it for a moment. He spun us into creation. He created the universe and the world. He is the creator. And in doing so, when he made Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 there, he initiated a relationship between him and us. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to initiate a relationship between us and God, between humanity and God. As time goes on, we see again and again and again God reaching down to mankind and initiating a relationship with mankind. We see it in the Old Testament covenants, five different covenants between God and Abraham and God and Moses and God and David and so on and so forth. And we see that over and over and over again in Noah. And so we can surmise, we can kind of come to the conclusion that because God is our Father, that we have the ultimate initiator of intimacy. We have the ultimate initiator of a relationship that we could ever have. The divine came to earth, and then we see finally that he initiated a relationship with humanity by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. You see, God was the initiator in that relationship, but intimacy is a two-way street. It takes both parties to further that relationship. Well, what does that mean, Todd? Well, an initiation of intimacy demands a response from each one of us. God, the heavenly father, God, the creator of the heavens and earth, became daddy. He became our father. And by doing so, by initiating a relationship with mankind, it demands that we all respond to him in some form or fashion. And I would make a suggestion that 
each one of you have already made some sort of decision about God, regardless of where you are on the spiritual continuum. Whether you're a brand new Christian, whether you're skeptical, or whether you've been a Christ follower for a long time, we've all made certain decisions about God already. Some of you have chosen to reject him. Rejection is a response to intimacy. Some of you who are in high school are like, yeah, I know. I'm well aware that rejection is a response to intimacy. I understand that. We can choose to say no to God. We can choose to say no to that relationship. And my challenge for those of you who are in here today, who have said no to him over and over and over again, my challenge is that today, at the end of today, that you would take one step towards some sort of relationship with God by putting your faith in him for eternal life. And I'll give you the opportunity to do that when we're done today. Some of you have chosen to accept him. And you've done so by putting your faith in Pater's son, Jesus, for eternal salvation. You know that God is perfect and holy, and you know that man, including you and women and everyone, are sinful. And that to have a relationship with a perfect God, there needed to be some sort of gap. And God sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross to take our sins, and he provided that gap for humanity. And so some of you have made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe it was 10 years ago. Maybe it was 30 years ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Maybe some of you are in here, you're one of the 24 that accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior at Easter here in this place. And so you've made a decision to follow Jesus as your Savior. And maybe in terms of your personal interaction with God, it's regular, it's often, it's meaningful, it changes you. And maybe you're in here and you're like, I get the fact that God's my dad and I have an intimate relationship. My challenge for you is keep on doing that. That's great. That will serve you well in your life. But I know that there are some of you who are in here who have made the decision to accept Jesus. You understand that God's dad, he is father. But it's been days or weeks or months or maybe even years since you've actually made some effort to continue that relationship with God the Father. You know why I know? Because I've had seasons in my life when I haven't made an effort with God. I have a friend, he's my best friend, his name is Brian, and uh, Brian Glaze is a great man. I um, still stay in touch with him. We were, we've been friends since eighth grade. He lives in Atlanta, he's a good friend of mine. Brian um, got married um, actually on my birthday uh, a few years after Cynthia and I got married, and then a couple of our friend, other friends got married, and so we decided that um, when we were young and married, this was almost 20 years ago now, that we would have a couple's Christmas party, and that we would do uh, um, Dirty Santa or White Elephant, if you understand that. And so the couples, each of the couples were supposed to bring a gift, and this is what a white elephant gift uh, kind of game is. We'd bring a gift to the party and that you would, you know, you unwrap it and then, you know, you can either decide to keep that gift for yourself. And each couple is to bring two gifts so that everyone had a gift. And, and as that kind of game goes, as the, you know, as the game goes on, a gift can be traded up to three times and there are about a thousand different rules for that and it's a lot of fun. And so we went over for the first uh, time to their house um, to have this couple's Christmas party. And um, I, I remember, um, you know, the email going out saying, hey, here's where we're going to have it. Here's where we're going to have dinner. It's going to be held at, you know, our friend's house. And make sure each of you bring two gifts, one gift being a really good gift and another gift being a horrible gift that no one would want. And so everybody did that except Todd and Cynthia Cullen forgot about it. 
And so as we were heading out of the house at our apartment late that day, heading to their house, we went, oh, we've got to bring a white elephant gift. So we turned around and we found a couple gross candles and candle holders. And we're like, stick them in a Walmart bag. Let's go. We got to go to their house. And I knew this was going to be a mistake because I know my friend Brian, and he's very bold in what he thinks, and he gets into stuff like this. And so we had a nice dinner, and we had dessert, and then the white elephant kind of time started, and the gifts were amazing. Some of them were really nice. Like, there was a price limit, but I think a lot of people exceeded it. And the bad gifts were really bad. I won't go into that. But anyway, they were really bad. And so as the, night, as the game was going on, I was getting more nervous and more nervous because they were going to come to our really bad gifts at some point in time. And sure enough, they did, and they unwrapped it, and there were these couple used candles. And my friend Brian, as soon as they were opened, he goes, who brought that gift? And I sheepishly responded, we did. And before I could get the words out, he said these words to me. He said, Cullen, show a little effort. Show a little effort. <laughs> and I think it was analogous to how he felt about our relationship. Cullen, show a little effort here, man. Show a little effort in our relationship. I think for some of us, we just have gone a long time in our relationship with Pater. And we just haven't shown a lot of effort. We haven't put a lot into it. We've allowed our time with God to slip and we've allowed the work to interrupt. We've allowed our kids to interrupt. We've allowed the stuff of life to get in the way of a relationship that we have with God the Father who is there waiting for each one of us to respond. So you see, it's not just an initial response for faith purposes, but it's an ongoing relational response. Some of us, quite honestly, just need to show a little effort in terms of our relationship with Abba, Daddy, Pater, our Father. And my challenge to us is that we go home today and we begin to get on our knees and we begin to talk to him once again. We begin to ask him to make that relationship fresh and new. And we wake up tomorrow and we begin to talk to him again. Experts say it takes 21 days to make something a habit. For some of us in here today, we need to make talking with God something that's just part of our lives. And that doesn't mean you have to have some kind of fancy plan. It means that you just do it on a regular basis Secondly, what does it mean that God is our heavenly Father? Because the Father loved us, we can live knowing that we're loved. Once again in 1 John, look at chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are called children of God. I want you to hear that. Just sit back for a moment and close your eyes for just a second. Child of God. Child of God. You can open your eyes. That's what each one of you are if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have faith that God sent Jesus to come and save this world, you are a child of God the Father. And it's proof and it's evidence and it's a reason to know that you are loved. He didn't have to reconcile mankind. He didn't have to figure out a bridge between his goodness and his holiness and our sin. But he did. He did because he loves 
us. And I realize that some of you who are in here today, you had a father figure that didn't love you or they didn't express love to you or they expressed just the opposite to you, and I am so sorry. But you have a father, a heavenly father figure in God, Pater, who loves you so much that a relationship with him is within your grasp. He loves you, and the, and it, the evidence is, is that he sent his son to die for you. And I'm not saying that for those of you who have been hurt by an earthly father, I'm not saying that loving pater, your heavenly father, is going to be easy because you haven't been shown how to do it. But my challenge for you today is to take one step again, just one more step, into trying to understand that you are loved because a life that's lived with the idea that you aren't loved is a life that is going to be fruitless in terms of loving others. It's going to be very difficult to love others until you get to the place that you know for sure that you're loved. And if you weren't loved or you never felt love from your earthly father, you need to know today that your heavenly father absolutely loves you. Thirdly, what does it mean that God is our heavenly father? Because the Father protects us, we can know that we are secure. One of the many remarkable things about living in the United States is the fact that for the most part, we don't live our lives in fear of something happening in terms of security. Unlike the rest of the world, if you've ever traveled internationally, there are some places you know of that they live in constant fear. We as Americans don't live in constant fear. We have a defense system. We have a military. We have police that have at their disposable some of the greatest tools, some of the highest technology, some of the greatest things to protect and defend. And with the exception of a day in 1941 and one in 2001, we've been protected here on our soil from foreign enemies. I'm not going to overdevelop this point because we've talked about Jehovah, Sabaoth, and El Shaddai, which shows the ability of God to take up our defense. But one of the duties of a father, one of the duties of pater is to provide protection for us. Take a look at John, again, the gospel writer in the gospel of John. He gives Jesus' words. Jesus answered them, talking about his disciples, I told you, and you don't believe the words that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. He says this in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And I want you to hear this. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father, he says in verse 29, who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Jesus is saying that once you accept him as your savior, you are secure. You know that you know that you know that you have the security and the safety of heaven. A few years ago, I read an article about a dad. It was around Father's Day, and he wrote about how he views himself as the sheriff of the home. And at night, he walks around like a sheriff would in an old western town. And he checks to make sure everybody's in their bed and the doors are closed. And he goes and he locks up all the doors and makes sure everything is in place. 
And before he lays his head down at night, he's the sheriff of the home. Dads, we do that at night, don't we, sometimes? We want to make sure that our family is safe and secure. That's the picture of what pater, God the Father, does for us spiritually. He protects us and he takes care of us. And we don't have to live with fear. We don't have to live with fear or being worried about what's going to happen in the future if we are children of God. You know, a life lived with fear is a life spiritually that goes absolutely nowhere. So know that the Father protects you. Not only is he there for you in terms of relationship, not only does he love you, but he will protect you, and you can trust in him. Finally, look at your notes. What does it mean that God is our heavenly Father? Number four, because the Father provides for us, we can be confident. We can be confident that he will meet every need. You see, God the Father provides for us. That's one of the fatherly duties, and that's one of the heavenly fatherly duties is the fact that he provides for us. Just uh, in this verse alone, look at Matthew 6. Do not be like them, Jesus says. This is in the precursor of the Lord's Prayer. For your Father knows what you need before when? Before you ask him. You see, God the Father provides for us because he knows what we need even before we ask. Take a look at a couple of other verses in Matthew 6. Skip all the way down to verse 28. He says, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, he says, I want you to hear this this morning, therefore, do not be anxious. Therefore, do not be anxious. God is your Father, and he's providing for you. Therefore, don't be anxious. Even if work doesn't look good, even if the job that you have is not providing the right income. Even if you're worried about tomorrow and fearful for what will happen, don't be anxious. Pater, God the Father, will take care of you. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We can't say, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow just because. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because I just need to focus on today. The reason that we don't have to worry about tomorrow is because we have God the Father who will provide for us. So my challenge for you who worry about provision, is be confident that he is able to meet all of your needs, and he has a plan to meet those needs. The bottom line this morning is that we can have this relationship with God the Father. You see, we can be in a personal relationship with God the Father, rejoicing with him in all of life's victories, and depending on him in all of life's struggles. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you.
You know, we have an amazing inheritance ahead of us if we're Christ followers. For those of you who are skeptics, who are wondering about God, you have an amazing inheritance in front of you if you will accept him as your savior. But we need to walk in that acceptance regardless of what we have come from in terms of our fathers, regardless of what comes to mind when you think of dad or when you think of father. And I realize there are some of you in here who don't have good thoughts when you think of dad. In fact, some of you think of everything that's wrong with your life when you think of dad. And everything I've just described about God the Father, you go, nope, I can't understand that because I didn't have a father who modeled that. For some of you, the mention of father is something that you've had a hard time identifying with because maybe you didn't have a dad. For some of you, like my mom today, it's going to be a tough day because you've lost your father. I'm praying that you'll understand that God is your heavenly father and that you can walk in the wonderful rewards that he has for you. I read the story about Benny Walker Wade a few years ago. I want to share it with you in closing this morning. Benny Walker Wade was born in Newport, Tennessee on October 13th, 1870. He was born out of wedlock, which in the late 19th century usually, usually meant that your family would be the source of scorn, the, the butt of local jokes, and unheard shame and embarrassment. His biological father, Lemuel Washington Hooper, a physician, was a man of some means in the area, and he tried to avoid this so-called mistake in his life. So he left him with his mom. Well, sure enough, as Benny entered elementary school, he was teased, he was jeered, and he was bullied because he didn't have a dad. His classmates were always asking him, who is his dad? Whose boy are you? They would jeer jokingly. In fact, he himself always wondered who his dad was. Well, one day while growing up, a new pastor came to the church that Benny attended. Now, Benny was good at coming in late and leaving a little early. And one day, early into the new pastor's tenure, Benny got up to sneak out as he usually did. He walked into an adjacent room, and he was waiting for just the right time. But on this day, his timing was an epic failure. As an arm reached out and grabbed him by the shoulder, and as he turned around to look up, it was the new pastor. <laughs> the pastor spoke first as Benny felt the fear, and he said, Who are you, son? Whose boy are you? And all of a sudden, that old question came back to Benny. That old dark feeling of the jeers and the jokes and the bullies came rushing back to him. He couldn't avoid it. Here he was in church, and the pastor was asking this question that haunted him. But then the pastor finished his thought, and he got a big old smile on his face. He said, wait a minute. I know you. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance. You're a son of God. And you have an amazing inheritance. Go and claim it, Benny. Benny said that that was the most important sentence that was ever spoken to him in all of his life. A few years later, his mom, not able to take care of him, put him in an orphanage, and he was adopted. Adopted by Dr. Lemuel Washington Hooper, his biological father. And Benny, he changed his name to Ben Walter... Hooper and Ben claimed his spiritual inheritance and then some as he grew up to be the 31st governor of the state of Tennessee. And many called him one of the most humble, godly men in the state of Tennessee. It doesn't matter 
who you've been raised by. It doesn't matter who your father figure is in your life. God, our heavenly father, loves you. He wants to provide for you. He wants a relationship with you, and he wants to protect you. And he's waiting for you to respond to him. Will you pray with me this morning? Oh, Daddy, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are Dad. And God, I pray for all of those who are in here, and when they think of the word Father or Dad, they have pain that comes to mind. Oh God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would uh, give them comfort, that you would heal those wounds. And God, I pray for those who, when they think of dad, sadness comes to their mind because they've lost their earthly father. And God, I pray for all of us who are spiritually orphans. And I pray for those who are in here today who have already accepted you as heavenly father. They've said yes to you in the gift that you've provided through Jesus, your son, to give us eternal life. And God, I pray that we would walk towards you in intimacy, that we would reach out, that there are those who are in here where days and weeks and months and maybe even years have gone by, and they've just allowed it to go on. And they haven't reached out. They haven't put forth the effort to reach back towards you, God. I pray that today is a day when they get on fire, they get excited, they get passionate about having a relationship with you, God, the creator of heaven and earth who's daddy to them. God, I pray that we would walk in the light of your love, in the light of your security, in the light of your provision. But God, I want to pray a special prayer for those who may be in this room who have never accepted you as father. I pray that today is their day of salvation. If you're in this room and you would say, right now, just in this moment, I need to accept Jesus as my personal Savior. I need to make that first step towards reaching back to God the Father. I'm going to pray a very short prayer, very simple prayer. And if you mean that prayer and you've never prayed that before, I want to ask you to follow along silently with me in your heart. It goes like this. Father God, thank you for making me Thank you for loving me enough to send Jesus to die for my sins. Today, I confess of my sins and I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. Help me, God, to understand what it means to be your child. If you prayed that prayer in here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to simply raise your hand for a moment. Amen. Thanks, bud. Amen. Amen. Any others in this room? My right, your left. My left, your right. Anyone else in this room? Pray that prayer. For those of you who prayed that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to look up at me for a moment. Everybody else, just keep your head bowed and eyes closed. On that connection card that you guys received today, there's a little place for you to respond. Would you do that for me today so that we can have record of your visit, okay, and record of the decision you made? We want to pray for you, okay?
Father God, I thank you for these who made decisions to follow you today, who said, yeah, you're my spiritual dad. And they accepted Jesus as their savior today. They're going to have the hope of heaven because of the decision that they made to reach back towards you today. And God, I pray that you would just galvanize, that you would anchor their faith in you and your word. Father God, thank you for being our dad. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.